Jesus knows our longing. He understands our longing so completely that he plans for it even before it's arrived. Here's the scene. He's still in that upper room with the disciples. Night has fallen. They have finished that simple meal. He has served them. He's already watched Judas go. Last week, we heard how the disciples were so fearful on this night and so grieved by how their whole world was crashing down around them. They want Jesus. They long for more of him, more of his teaching, his compassion, his love, his leading. They want more time. They thought there would be more time. They thought he was the one who was going to topple the oppressor and bring in the kingdom. He hasn't even gone yet. Just his predictions are enough for them to become distraught. Jesus knows this longing. He understands that it's about more than just him, more than these few amazing, hope-filled years that he and the disciples have shared. And so he responds to their fear and to their anticipatory grief. He responds again with a promise. Into that longing... He promises the paraclete for all time. The paraclete. The translation we use renders this word as advocate. But this word John uses for the Holy Spirit, it, it's slippery and evocative and hard to pin down. Holy comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor. This is the spirit of truth, Jesus promises. The paraclete is on the way. All these possible names for Jesus' response to our longing, all of them, I think, come down to the relationship borne out by this spirit. It is, at its core, a gift of accompaniment, of coming alongside us, of, of walking with us, a gift of presence and strengthening support, of being together in the most elemental way possible. This longing for accompaniment, it's it's fundamentally part of who we are, of being human. And as he nears his death, Jesus sees that they, and now we also, need this holy companion. Companion. This, this is the root of accompaniment. Two parts. So simple. Come with, and panion, or pain, bread, 
companion is with bread. Accompaniment is what happens when we share a simple meal. A companion is quite literally someone you break bread with. We want that intimacy and connection all through our lives, just as the disciples did. It's why we've made a rhythm of it in our common life here at this table. It's why in times of crisis and grief and great stress, our, our need for the comfort of this accompaniment is intensified. And here we are. Accompaniment cannot take place now, not in that way. Communion, as we have known it, is off limits. We cannot break bread together. We cannot stand shoulder to shoulder, our hands outstretched, confident that, that somehow this little bit will be more than enough if we share it all. So what now? What is our path forward when the way we have come close to God for millennia is off limits? When the way that those friends in Emmaus encountered the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread is shut down. What then? This question has been nagging at me incessantly. I don't know the answer. Brilliant people are at this very moment deep in debates on if and how and when and why we share Eucharist in a pandemic, wrestling questions of theology and liturgy, of epidemiology and, frankly, practicality. Digging in, I think, because we so long for this company, this accompaniment, both of one another and of the Spirit because it all matters. At this point, I know only enough to know that I really don't have the answers. What I'm returning to, though, again and again, are these couple of lines in our gospel today. Jesus promises the presence of the paraclete, but he offers this assurance generally, not Specifically, Jesus doesn't hem in the Spirit. He doesn't name these binding parameters for divine presence. He does not say that it will only be through particular actions or events that the Spirit will be with us, but rather that she will be with us, period. We will abide in her and she in us, connecting us to one another and to all that is holy. And as the world turns further into this season of pandemic, as it's now been months since we could break bread together, there is no question that we are baking it a lot. We're home. We have time for it to rise. We can come back and tend it. 
We're so into baking as a nation that it has become difficult to find flour or yeast. So here is the growing trope. There is suddenly a wild and generous proliferation of sourdough starters. They may not be growing on trees, but they are hanging from them, literally. Maybe you have read these news stories. It's been picked up all over. A network of sourdough starters has emerged in San Francisco, announced by word of mouth and posters on telephone poles and tweets, and now even pinpointed precisely through Google Maps. The blobs of starters are hanging in trees, gifts available to anyone, to strangers, who, of course, are neighbors and always have been. We are apart, and yet we are coming alongside each other anew. We cannot break bread together, and so people are sharing the beginnings of bread with neighbors. This stuff of life harvested literally from the air between us. Absent our, our usual practices as companions on the way, we have to look. Look for God and look for each other. We have to search. We have to lay down our assumptions of where this connection is to be found. Assumptions which may be well-worn because they're usually reliable. We have to start from scratch. Experiment. Observe. Try again. Mostly, though, right now, I think we just need to look and listen. Where is this paraclete moving, helping, cajoling, comforting, advocating? Look for the new ways that the Spirit is accompanying us. What is being broken open and shared? Where are we finding that just a little will be more than enough if we are connected? How are we being pulled shoulder to shoulder, even if we're six feet apart, and acknowledging that we all have the same fundamental needs, our hands outstretched together, ready to receive sustenance and God's presence and strength. We need to look not just on our screens, though there are plenty of good stories there about how the Spirit is moving. But look, really look, where you are, where you walk, what you can see from your window. Look with the few people you interact with, even if it's just in, in the crinkling eyes, smiling above a mask. This is not a virtual or a metaphorical presence that Jesus promises, but real, palpable 
presence. We have to look for it in new practices, new places, new rituals. The Spirit may not appear the way we're used to. It's frustrating and it's tiring. And that's okay. We just have to keep looking. And we will encounter this living breath all around us. Look. In response to the longing of humanity, Jesus has promised the paraclete's companionship. Then and now and always. Always.